you hear the way that the psalmist speaks here, and this is a common refrain within psalms of lament. This is not necessarily unusual for the psalmist to speak this way, to say, How long, O Lord? How long must I endure what I'm going through? How long will I even be able to keep going? And there is some certain difficulty, but laments teach our souls primarily where to go. This seat of who we are, it teaches us who am I to be rightly, and it shapes us in this. We know that we should trust in God. We know that rightly, and yet at times we don't feel that way. We don't know even how to get there. We're wondering, I want to trust in God, but the depths of my soul tell me something entirely different. And so we're saying, I don't have the words, I don't have the understanding, I don't even have the direction to know the first step to take. And laments are particularly helpful for us that they help us to process this world, to live rightly under God's rule, to be able to say, this is the way to go. Follow the way that God has led us in this And we are not strangers to the difficulties that we face in this world. We've experienced it throughout the entirety of our lives. As we are raised from small children, things that are broken in this world are quite apparent to us on very simple levels. Just having a toy stolen from a small, small age to losing friends, moving. Things that start to get disrupted and shifted. Parents having debates and fights and eventually sometimes even splitting we start to learn that the brokenness of the world at a very early age is something we come to expect. And these things get harder and harder, experiencing death, loss, miscarriages, brokenness in relationships that feels irreparable, these things that we watch in the world, and even our own bodies failing us to the point where we say, I don't know how much longer I can endure. I don't know how many more waves of suffering and pain and difficulty I can take. And the Psalms say, how long is it going to continue on? And the list goes on and on of the things that we experience. We must learn how to not only express these things, but we have to also learn to turn to God and to trust in our grief. So as we lament our situation, we are learning to trust in God. This is something that we're learning to do. And there are multiple ways that this psalm starts to shape us here, that it starts to help us to walk through lament. So as we lament our situation, we're going to see that the psalmist leads us into this by saying, you must express your fear, define your need, and to declare your hope. So firstly, here in the first two verses, we are learning to express our fear. Let's look back at Psalm 13 here. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? This idea of How long that the psalmist brings forward for us here is not just a general question to God to say, how much longer do I have to endure? But this is a statement of lament. As if he is saying, I can't bear it anymore. I can't take another step. 
How long is this going to continue? This is a statement of lament. I don't know if you, any of you have seen one of these, but when you're at the fair, there are many different, uh, there are many different challenges you can do to win tickets or money or so, so some sort of competition. And one of the things that you'll see at the fair often is these chin-up bars. It looks like a standard old chin-up bar, and the guy's inviting everyone in, saying, if you can hold on just for a minute, just one minute, you'll win all this money. And it's different amounts usually, but all these young guys who've been working out in the gym for months and months and years and years are like, I can do this. This is no problem for me. And so they'll jump up, and all of a sudden they realize the situation is very different than they expected. This bar twists. And they're like, oh, no, <laughs> this is going to be a long minute, and now lots of people are watching. And so the fear starts to set in, and you can start to recognize they don't get to see the clock. They're like, how much longer do I have to hold on? How much longer? This is the type of feeling that the psalmist is coming before God, but the situation is much more dire to say, I feel as if I'm going to fall and I don't know what's going to happen. I feel as if I am at the end of my strength and I don't know what to do next. And we can resonate with this often when we live in the everyday rhythms of life, that there are moments when everything feels just fine. Following Jesus feels very easy and simple and good. And there are other moments in which we say, I don't even know how to take another step. How much longer, O Lord, must I endure what are the things the psalmist says he can't endure? He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? This idea of this God who says, I will be your God, you will be my people. And the psalmist is saying, it feels as if you've turned away, that your blessing is no longer upon me. It feels as if you've left me here in my situation that the relationship is broken. Very honest statement for the psalmist to come before God and saying, that is how I feel, alone, isolated, abandoned by my God. He goes on to say, it feels as if my God has abandoned me and I am left to myself to give counsel. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. Both of these are incredibly unnatural things to state, really. To state, the deepest need of my heart is that God would have his face upon me, that God would look to me, and that I wouldn't be left alone for counsel. Oftentimes within our culture, it's felt as if, well, you're going to find the truth you need within you. Just keep digging deeper. And the psalmist recognizes, that's not what I need. That's not what I want. He is lamenting the fact that he is left to himself, that he is left alone. His deep desire is that God would be present with him. It is a sad feeling to be left alone for the psalmist here. And this is something we can be left led into as believers to say, I want the presence of my God in the midst of deep suffering. He also says, am I doomed to destruction? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? Oftentimes this is one of the things that our hearts run to. 
If you feel as if you can't hold on any longer, and we are crying out before God saying, this is the end, the psalmist is teaching us, what are you afraid of? At the end of it, if the worst were to happen, what are you afraid of? What would happen? And for the psalmist here, he's saying, I'm afraid that my enemies are going to be exalted over me, that they will have their way, that they will... They who have been looking in on my life and saying, your God can't really deliver you, that has been found to be true. He says, that is the thing that I don't know that I can bear and I don't know what's going to happen here. And we learn through lament here how to appropriately bring these concerns and the condition of our soul to God and the fullness of what they are and the fullness of what our soul needs to say, Lord, this is where I am at. This is the depth of my grief. This is the depth of my anger. This is the depth of everything that's going on in my soul. I am afraid. And to bring these things before God and saying, this is the condition. Whether it's right or not, this is the condition of my soul as it stands. And Psalms don't lead us to just say, everything's just fine. Just move along and trust God. In fact, it invites us in to say, bring whatever is in there out before your God and state it. How long, O Lord, must I endure? And many of us would tend to think, if I do that, it means I am not trusting in God. To state these things even, to even mention them. I'm afraid that people would hear me say it, and they would say, has he lost his faith? And yet the Psalms say, I'm not going to lead you just into a trite and simple solution that says, just trust in God, everything will be all right, and just squash everything you're feeling. It's not a big deal. In fact, the psalmist acknowledge just how severe this can feel at times. The message of the gospel meets us right here to say, everything isn't just all right. In fact, the gospel, the good news of all that Jesus has accomplished, doesn't just say, forget all your problems. It says, bring them up before Jesus. Bring them up before God. And the gospel addresses them in their fullness. Any question, any concern, any hurt, any brokenness, any grief, any anger, you bring this before God and show it to him. And there is great confidence that the believer has to say, this is the only place that I can bring it in which it will find some direction, in which I will find some peace, I will find some hope. So when we feel as if our health is wavering, if not even feeling dire, when we feel as if our finances will not be sufficient to carry us forward, when it feels as if even the own decisions of my life have left me in a precarious position in which I will have nothing left, the Lord is not inviting us in saying, only if you are just and righteous and good can you lament your situation. It is Sometimes we are found in these situations just because of the brokenness of the world, the general depravity of our sin that brought in many, many hard things that may not have been the direct result of any sin, but it also invites the sinner to say this. And David is not 
absent from this type of lament, to say, even because of your own sin, God invites you in to process your emotions, the fears, the uncertainty. This is the way the gospel begins to deal with us. And as we cry out, regardless of our situation, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't carry on anymore. We are led through this psalm to turn to God and trust, to declare these things, to say, Lord, don't turn away from me at this point. It feels as if you might be. So we must not only express these things to God, laments also turn us from our grief. This is very different than the rest of the world in which we can probably find models of this in the rest of the world to just state these things, to wallow, to find ourselves driven deeper and deeper into despair. And yet here, lament turns us very differently to say there is something else. So as we lament our situation, we not only learn to express these things, but we also define our need. Let's look at verses 3 to 4 again. He says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Consider me and answer me, O Lord my God. The way the psalmist speaks here is equally shocking to us in the church to look at the force in which he's coming before God, the creator of all things, the one who has the power to do anything. He enters in and says, look at me. Look at me. He says, consider me, which can also be translated, look at me, God. Turn your face back to me. And he's stating this in an emphatic way, in the imperative, saying, God, do this. And he has the ability to do this because God does tell us that we have this type of relationship with our God. We have the type of relationship to say, God, turn back to me. My youngest daughter, Lisa, one of the things, she's still the baby of the home, and one of the things she will do, she recognizes the relationship she has with me, that she can come before me at all times. Sometimes I will find myself distracted, very busy in my own head. Either I'm reading or doing something else, and she's trying to get my attention about something that in my mind at times probably feels less important, but she knows that she has access to me. So she'll crawl up on my lap, grab me with both hands, pull my head to her and say, Dad! (laughs) And this is the type of relationship that we have with God, the creator of all the universe, to enter into the throne room of, of God in which our sin would rightly bring our own death and the judgment of God, yet we're invited into this place, this holy place, to say, I get to waltz right in, grab God by the face and say, Look at me. And God is pleased to do so. And he never turned away. He's not like the imperfect picture that my daughter has of a father. He is one who is there. He is present. So what do we need? What do we ask for as we turn to God? He says, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Light up my eyes. This is a strange thing for us to hear. And in the Old Testament, the eyes were often referred to in different ways. And they kind of gave this picture of the condition of our own souls. 
the condition of our souls. You'll know this as you've studied scriptures in Deuteronomy and different places. We start to get this picture of the eyes having different conditions. The dimness of eyes, the haughty eyes, prideful eyes, lustful eyes. These conditions of our souls that you can kind of see the condition through the eyes. And the Psalms in different places in scripture would talk about it this way. So the psalms, psalmist enters in here in a way that is not that uncommon for people to hear. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, after a battle against the Philistines, the people of God were led by King Saul at this point. And uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, had fought very hard. His, it was a long day of fighting. He was weary. All the men were very weary. It was not... Uh, something in which they had a lot of energy after, I'm sure. Even emotionally, it was probably taxing. They were probably uncertain about how things would turn out. And the condition of their soul, souls were probably downcast to some degree. And Jonathan, it says, he had his condition of his soul changed slightly. In First Samuel chapter 14, it says he put the tip of his staff after this battle, he put the tip of his staff that was in his right hand, and he dipped it into the honeycomb, and he put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. And if you read this story, this was something he said, people need this type of encouragement after a long day of fighting, emotionally taxing. He says, this is something that they need. You should be willing to give this to people. And you start to see there is a condition of the soul that the psalmist recognizes here in Psalm 13, that we need to have this type of of condition in our soul met. When all these things are swirling around and we're wondering, how do I hold on just a little longer? What is it we need? My soul to be brightened. My soul to be lightened up. And there is certainly some difficulty here, and this is something that the psalmist recognizes. How do you do this? I'm going to turn to the one place that I can, to my God. We often want to brighten the condition of our souls through other things. To say, maybe if I just go shopping, maybe if I just veg out for a little while, maybe if I just abandon my normal responsibilities, get to this vacation, it will brighten my soul. And the psalmist says to God, would you light up my eyes? There is no other place that he is willing to turn here. And this is a model for us as we enter into deep brokenness and lament to say, where should you turn here as a believer? To your God and to your God only. Light up my soul. We often think of the Christian life in terms of just things we must, must do. What is the thing I must do next to brighten up my soul? What is the thing I must do next to get out of this funk? And here you hear a very passive statement of trust. Lord, I have nowhere else to turn. In fact, I will let go. I can't hold on any longer. And I will drop. And the worst thing that I expect to happen will happen. But for you, I have absolute trust in you. And this is where you start to recognize the way the Psalms are leading us in here is not in one of doubt or disbelief of God, but it is in driving towards a trust of God to say, there is nowhere else I can turn to deal with the condition of my soul but to God. 
Would you light up my eyes, O Lord? The worst situation may get worse. The hardest thing that you face, the thing that you came to God with initially lamenting, that may not actually go away at all. And the psalmist is not asking, would you change my condition? Would you just make it go away? Would you just give me the tools I need to overcome anything that I'm facing? No, he doesn't ask for those. Those things may still be there. We may still be facing the exact same situation, but he says, light up my eyes. It is only you and you alone. And there is great hope at this point. And oftentimes, that believers who learn to trust in God to this degree are very strange to see for the watching world. As they look in and they see Christians who are quite at peace and rejoicing, you look in and you say, what is going on with these people? They have learned to trust in their God. Situations could be absolutely abysmal. And there is a joy and a brightness to their souls that nothing can take away, nothing can put there but God and the peace of the Holy Spirit. And we often think, I can somehow produce that. But this is a work of God and God alone. And as the psalmist leads us, where should we turn but to God for that? To say, the condition of my soul is a wreck, O Lord. How long must this go on? And the one who made us, the one who knows us, the one who cares for us is the person who can deal with that. 1 Peter chapter 4 emulates this well as he speaks to those who are in deep suffering. He says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. This idea of entrusting your soul, the very center of who you are, the thing that is very precious to you, of the condition of your own soul, entrusting that to God is a sign of absolute trust because we don't easily trust that part of who we are, that part that defines us most at the center of who you are. There is many things you can take away and still be you, but the the center of who you are is probably best defined by your soul. And I am entrusting that piece of me to God fully and absolutely, saying, this thing will not get better unless you change it. And it's quite foolish, really, to think that I could take that piece of my soul and hope that a broken and sinful world, the hopes and desires of the world, might be able to help that thing that is most precious to me, my soul, the thing that God has given me. And yet the psalmist leads us here to say, trust in God and God alone. It defines our need most clearly on the work of God himself. So as we learn to lament our situation, we do learn how to declare these things rightly. We learn how to define these things rightly because of lament. But we also learn to declare our hope. Verses 5 and 6 says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The psalmist shows us here how we can 
rightly answer some of the questions that the Psalms brought up initially. Will you forget me? Will I be left to take counsel in my own soul? And will my enemies be exalted over me? And all of a sudden we hear this. What is our hope? What does he say here? He says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. I have trusted in your steadfast love. Has God forgotten? And he's wondering, where do I put my feet down? Is this relationship all right? He turns back to the nature and character of his God, reminding himself, who is my God? He is a God who is steadfast towards his people. He has a steadfast love towards his people. This defined the relationship between God and his people. The steadfast love of the Lord, the hesed of the Lord, comes up over and over again throughout the relationship. And the psalmist is not reminded to say, my hope might be just a redirection, but it is in the steadfast love of the Lord. God has not abandoned me. In fact, it is within the character and nature of God himself. When my soul feels as if God has turned away from me, I'm reminded he hasn't. The steadfast love of the Lord is there. The steadfast love of the Lord is seen. It is a tangible, real thing that we can look back at the history of the church, at the history of God's dealing with his people, and see again and again that God has been steadfast. He has been present. He has cared for us. So how does this actually help us? How does the steadfast love of the Lord help us? He says, will I be left to take counsel in my own soul? He has not been left to take counsel in his own soul. He has seen the salvation of the Lord again and again. He says, if the Lord is steadfast and if he is present and if he's going to act the way he's, he's acted in the past, he is not leaving me just a how-to manual to say, you better do these things or else you will fail. He's looking back at the way that God has offered, operated the salvation of the Lord. And you can read this throughout Scripture. The way that God operates is not to just say, here, I'm just going to give you a little boost. Oftentimes, when God would finally enter in on his timing, it was definitive. It was complete. It was total to say, when my God acts... It will be his salvation entirely. It is not just, God, would you help me a little bit with the things I need to do? It is God will enter in absolutely, definitively, for all time and forever. And this doesn't necessarily mean, will you give me the physical blessings that I was asking for? Will you give me the deliverance from maybe the difficult situation? But as the psalm leads us to say, I am downcast I am broken. I am beaten up. The Lord will enter in here. And there is great hope and confidence that God has seen us and God will act. And when God acts, it is absolute. It is full. It is complete. We are trusting in a good God, in a powerful God, in a God who has a deep care for his people. And the lament here helps us to trust that. When we feel like, I don't know if I can carry on. My soul is fearful, Lord. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how this is going to turn out. We're reminded those fears are very real. Those concerns are very real. 
And God's action is very real. And it is far more powerful than anything that you might wonder. And then we can ask this last question of, will my hope be overcome by my greatest fear, my greatest problem? Will I be left to my enemies? Will I be left to those who are scoffing? To be left in shame? No. The Lord has satisfied everything completely. He says, I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. He has dealt bountifully with me. This is the type of phrase that is saying it has been fulfilled completely. It has brought me to the place where everything that I asked for, everything that I needed was filled up to the fullest. In fact, it is overflowing. And he says, I will sing because of the steadfast love of the Lord. I will sing because he has dealt bountifully with me. And you think of someone who is in the midst of deep lament and grief and difficulty and trial. If you were to enter into a grief group and say, let's just sing. At the top of our lungs in absolute rejoicing in all God's mercies and goodness, it would be absolute silly to ask that type of request of that group. It would be nonsense. And yet here, the psalmist is not ignoring the depravity of the situation of everything that's going on. Not just saying this is just a simple solution, but he's saying because of the steadfast love of the Lord, the way in which he will deal with everything that you have brought before him, there is an overflowing. And this is what happens in our souls. When God has met the fullness of everything we need, light up my eyes is overflowing to the point in which Singing is just the overflow. It is so full that I have no room left in my soul to be brightened up, to have my soul filled up. Now I am rejoicing. And then we look in at the broken, weary Christian and we say, the situation is awful. And they are rejoicing. It's not because they just felt like they had to, but it is because they were able to come before the Lord Say, my situation is dire. Would you light up my eyes? God has certainly answered their request to the fullest. And they are able to sing, to rejoice, to praise God who has dealt bountifully with him. And this, these are hard words and we can feel the weight of them when we are going through deep pain and difficulty and hardship to say, I don't have the ability to sing. And this psalm is not saying exactly how fast you need to get there. This psalm is not saying that you can manipulate your own heart and your situation to get there. This is a work of God and this is something you can turn to with absolute trust of, I don't know how to get there and it is teaching you, take a step towards your God and trust that he will deliver you from this deep, dark valley. Psalm 73 says it well. And he says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh and my heart may fail, 
but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is the way that the Christian is taught to be, to live, to trust in God. And this is what laments begin to teach us how to do, to trust to a degree. When we say, I don't know the first step to take, the Psalms lead us there. They are not trite and simple solutions that say, just trust God. They lead us through this process to say, you can trust God with all your heart, with the entirety of your soul, and this will be good for you. In fact, you may not believe it, but you will be dancing and singing the praises of your God someday. How is that possible? Trust God. I don't know how that's possible. I am not able to do this in your soul. No one around you is able to do this in your soul. No hope in the world is able to do this in your soul, but God is able to do it. And so at this point, we can look at the world and see the hope of God's steadfast love that it brings to our souls. We can face broken relationships, ones that grieve us beyond all compare, with marriages, with kids, with longing for something there, the loss of life, with the loss of health, the loss of the hope that I might be able to live the life I was hoping to live, the loss of a job that seemed like it was going to make everything all right for all the good desires I had for my life and my home and my family and my community, the loss of all the things that we were hoping in, the psalm teaches us how to process when those things are stripped away slowly to say, Lord, how long can I handle another loss? He says, the Lord will deal bountifully with you. And God has not abandoned us. And Jesus understood what it felt like to be abandoned by God. To recognize this feeling when Jesus entered into the world, when God himself sent his son, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, abandoned me? This feeling as if he is left to his own to deal with all of the sins of the world. And he went willingly into this on our behalf so that as we come to this psalm, as we come to this lament saying, it feels as if God has abandoned me, we know that because of the work of Christ, God hasn't for those who believe in him, for those who trust in him. God is present. These promises are made full and real because of the work of Christ on the cross who did go through the wrath of God for us. So this is not a trite and simple solution, just trust in God, hoping that it will all be okay. It is a beautiful and a full promise that has some real weight to it. God did not leave us. He came. He endured the abandonment of God. And in Psalm 13, there is a way in which our souls can be lifted up, brighten the condition of my soul. Not only does God see our condition, we are his cherished children. We are those who lament with this psalm and say, Lord, this is where I'm at. He hears these things. He responds to them. We're directed how to even walk forward. So your God is there. He sees you. He knows you. He can direct your soul and he can care for your soul. Your God is 
all-powerful. He can be your strength. And the thing that we need to hear is, even when I don't know what step to take, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Psalm 13 teaches our souls where to go and to find their way back to an absolute trust in God. This is one of our greatest needs, if not our greatest need, amidst everything that is going on in our life. Let's do pray.